Hi right, guys, welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host Connor Maxwell. Today I'm joined with Warren Hughes, who is the project manager for the Scottish Gambling Education Hub within Fast Forward. So in this podcast we talk about everything in gambling education, about the Gambling Education Hub and where you can access training. So without further ado, here's Warren Hughes. So Warren, it would just be great if you could just tell us a wee bit about yourself and your current role. Absolutely. Thanks for, for having me on, Connor. So I, as you said, I'm the project manager at Fast Forward working on the, the Scottish Gambling Education Hub. And a bit of an introduction for Fast Forward. We're a national youth work charity based in Edinburgh, but we, we cover all 32 local authorities in Scotland with different projects of various different shapes and sizes. Uh, and we specialise in educate, educating around risk-taking behaviours and primarily with a harm reduction approach and ensuring that young people have the the correct information so they can make their own informed decisions and ultimately hoping to to minimise any harm, whether that be through substance use, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, sex, porn, internet use, anything that can cause cause harm or potentially cause harm to young people. And uh, I started back in 2018 working as a project officer on this sort of pilot gambling education project um, where we, our, our aim was to ensure that young people across Scotland had access to, to gambling education and prevention. To, it's one of those issues that's kind of growing on people's agendas. People are starting to recognise the harm from gambling a little bit more. And, uh, and our aim is just to try and educate young people so that so they don't experience that harm, that it can be so devastating. Um, and, and then back last year, I took over as project manager um, and lots of exciting things uh, in the pipeline. Um, so could you tell us just a wee bit more about um, the Gambling Education Hub and what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously trying to ensure that every young person in Scotland has, has access to harm prevention or harm reduction resources is a, is a big task and we've only got a small team there's only six of us but our aim in doing that or our approach is to first of all train every professional that works directly with young people whether that be teachers college and university staff and youth workers like yourself cld workers we also work with youth employability services family services uh, and so as i say effectively anyone that, that engages young people and it's to give them the knowledge, the skills and the resources to then educate and support the young people that they're working with. And we've got various other little bits that we do. We run the Scottish Gambling Education Network, which is a network of academics and professionals and youth workers to kind of share their knowledge and expertise to improve gambling education provision in Scotland. Um, And we, we also have various different theatre elements and, and lots of different things. And honestly, Connor, I could, I could be here all day talking about the little bits, but training, our training staff is our, is our bread and butter. And uh, it's, it's been brilliant to see when we first started how little awareness there were about gambling, gambling harms, and how little youth workers and teachers actually did uh, to educate and prevent harm around gambling. And three years on, now in 2021, how much more is being done, how we're seeing gambling much more on the agenda, how we're getting people reaching out to us saying, actually, I, I can recognise that I've got a young person that might be experiencing gambling harm. Can you give me some support? Or can you tell me what to do? So it's not only the education preventing harm, it's also 
having practitioners now being able to recognize and signpost to specialist services. Um, and it's just been really good seeing that, that, that transition from when the project first started three years ago. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's even for me as a practitioner getting involved in this, it was something that was never ever spoke about. And then, but the last few years, it's all about the access that young people have got and the access that they're able to then bet and it's becoming such a more open thing. So it was something that a lot of workers maybe listening to this has never even heard either, but it is a really growing issue that is making um, real difficulties for young people. Um, and I, I was really fortunate to prefer to, it was back and it was one of the early pilot projects that then I was involved, I went to the training and you know, it totally changed um, how I view things and we've been able to support young people um, for the last couple of years with it. So as it's brilliant work you do and the training that you do is top notch. Um, it's really, really good. Um, do you want to tell us a wee bit about the toolkit that you've got? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so along with the, the training that we do, and as I say, you, you're one of the, the kind of uh, the work that you're doing in your project through gambling was one of the, kind of the products that came from the work that we're doing. And it was always brilliant to see not just that kind of overall awareness about gambling becoming on the agenda, actually seeing some of the more local projects that came about from the training that we delivered, whether that was teachers in creating lesson plans and putting it into their curriculum, or it was youth workers designing whole programs and whole projects for their young people around gambling education. But to support with um, that creation of gambling education within whatever service they're working with, we've got the gambling education toolkit, which is a whole kind of resource kit for the pr practitioners or teachers to kind of pick what is relevant for their young people and, and help them design the, the input to, to prevent harm around gambling. Um, we're actually in the process of, of rewriting a lot of the material um, various, for various reasons. Gambling for the last three years has changed significantly in terms of people's approach and it being recognised as a public health issue. So a lot of our terminology and how, how we approach and how we recognise and speak about gambling is changing. So we're factoring that in. Also, a lot of the activities uh, are and stats and information around gambling is changing. So we're kind of having a big uh, redraft of that. And we're excited, uh, hopefully this summer, getting that um, getting that released and published. So uh, everyone should be keeping an eye and hopefully it'll be it'll look nice and flashy when that's done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's a great resource. It is a great resource. And there's so much in it for um, all different workers to pick out with the bits that you like and the bits that can work for your um, young people. So as it's, and it'll be good to see the redraft, it will be. Um, so you'd mentioned there about changing some of the terminology. So previously, the, um, we would speak a little bit about problem gambling, and that would be the language. So could you just tell us a wee bit about the change in terminology and the reasons why you're looking to try and change it? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's it's quite a, a sensitive topic, um, but, but I find it personally incredibly interesting looking at terminology. And I think the language we use in youth work and CLD ac across the board is something that is ever-changing. People are always exploring it. And we want to use language that promotes health and well-being, but minimises stigma and shame, which can come from so many risk-taking behaviours or addictions as well. Even just as an example looking at when you look at drugs and substance use, it was often used to be called substance abuse. And, uh, and then generally what we've seen is people changing from substance abuse language to substance use or substance use disorder or substance misuse. And, and looking at how to change that to make sure that 
the individuals that are affected by these behaviours or the harms um, related to them are, are not feeling stigmatised and not feeling the shame that might interfere with their support or their, their recovery. So gambling is, is no different in that sense. Um, often terms have been used, such as problem gambling, uh, or someone described as a problem gambler, and that really puts the onus on the, the gambler themselves. And we know through gambling being recognised and how we recognise it as a public health issue, it's not just the, the gambler, um, and it's not always the gambler's fault. There are huge factors into gambling harm. So even though even our project itself, before it's called the Gambling Education Hub, used to be called the Youth Problem Gambling Initiative. Uh, so it's, uh, we, we ourselves are changing, but we've shifted from that terminology. And now we, if somebody is experiencing um, uh, an addiction, we would refer to that as the clinical term, uh, as a gambling disorder, which would be the, the harms uh, that's come about to them directly, the adverse effects to the individual, and that's their, that's their addiction, that's their disorder. And it is recognised, uh, gambling disorder is recognised as a mental health disorder in the, the DSM. If we're looking actually at the harm that comes from gambling, uh, we would refer just to that as gambling harms. And why that's important is that it refers not just to the harms of the individual, it looks at the, the adverse effects of gambling on the individual, their friends, their family, communities, and wider society. And that's incredibly important to recognize because it isn't just the gambler that gets affected by, by somebody's gambling disorder. And usually, on average, it's a six to 10 people directly that can get affected, but the cost on the public purse is significant um, through lots of different reasons and how people's overall health can be affected um, through problematic and, uh, and gambling harm and gambling disorder as well. I think um, for gambling harms, for me, that that's the probably terminology that relates more to the work and the project that we do because we will speak a lot to young people about the the harms that how that can impact their life, their family's life, and that's more the level that we operate. When we've sort of worked with young people, we haven't had maybe um, young people that are addicted as much they're in that process or we're seeing signs um so i think that changing that term is really really good and it's it's nicer language i think and i think that it's really really important for moving forward that the language is correct and it's suitable to what we're trying yeah. what you're trying to achieve as well how does gambling disorder and gambling harms harms impact on young people is there any examples or any signs that we can maybe let listeners know yeah there are lots of examples, although to understand the true extent of it can be incredibly difficult. Gambling itself is becoming more of an isolating activity. It used to be maybe have been seen as more of a social activity, but because of the kind of growing online nature, it is becoming more of a kind of isolating personal private activity. But because of that, it is also often recognised as a hidden addiction, something that's incredibly difficult to spot and, and actually recognize the harms. One of our partner agencies uh, that works in the treatment and supports, I had a conversation with their, their um, lead, one of their lead treatment officers, and they said that they used, they started as a, uh, as a counseling service for substance use, specializing substance use and alcohol disorders. But what they found was that gambling was often the underlying issue, but it wasn't the one that came to the surface. It wasn't the one that they, the individuals realized or that the people referring them realized, but it was often underlying. And that's where, where gambling often, often, uh, often is in terms of where, where the harms are. And so 
in terms of how it affects young people or how prevalent it affects young people, it's often difficult to, to really pinpoint. But the, the actual harms themselves, if it's from uh, a parent gambler, can look at um, child protection issues. Perhaps it can look at um, different forms of abuse um, in terms of that the child, if, if their parents are experiencing a gambling disorder. And those gambling harms would be um, the, the ones that would so young people would be affected by. If we're looking at young people gambling themselves, perhaps um, gambling more or more frequently or more with more money than they can perhaps afford to lose, um, they may start experiencing um, the kind of psychological impacts. Uh, it may affect them, their mental health. It can affect their physical health as well, although perhaps not directly relatable. Um, it might affect their education, their employment. Um, it's also there, they may start in terms of signs to look out for, they may become more aggressive or anxious about about money um, and uh, even kind of hiding away and becoming more, more secretive. So it can really affect all aspects of an individual's life um, in terms of the harm. And that is very much um, young people. One thing that was interesting that we've we found quite recently is that when we look at, although it's only a minority of, of gamblers that do develop a, a gambling disorder as such, there are gambling harm is experienced by, by a lot of people, but also it's disproportionately um, affected by younger people. And we know that there are, uh, in terms of, if we look at the gambling populations among young people and among older people, the rate of gambling disorder um, is higher or growing higher uh, among younger people as well, which is why the kind of gambling education and prevention of harm is so relevant. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that from working with young people, one of the signs that we'd sort of noticed was tiredness. And it was that um, mm. they were then staying up later, they were worried, they were anxious. So those sort of signs of, like, oh, how are you not sleeping? And they having that sort of general well-being conversation with young people is actually then when you find out what the cause was in certain circumstances actually was that they were participating in gambling activities. It was mm. making them worried. They were anxious because they've spent all their money or they've used someone else's card and they've done some stuff that they shouldn't do that way as well so it really can affect young people and it's something that um i do think that going back to when we spoke about the training is something that youth workers and practitioners need to make themselves aware of because it is an issue that is growing mm. within the communities that we're working in at the moment um not just the, where i am but definitely across the country because if we even see from when um You'd started in 2018. There's a lot more people that are participating and are speaking about it and are, are aware of it. So we need to try and ensure that yeah. as many staff as possible sort of are equipped think, to deal with, I suppose, gambling as well as their like drugs and alcohol. Yeah, and I think there's things that we need to consider as well that uh, although kind of educating young people so they know how to be safe if they do decide to gamble is incredibly important. It is also really important to consider the addictive nature of the activities themselves. We know that young people's brains are developing right up until they're 25 years old. And actually one of the, the later things to develop are their ability to make informed decisions. But if you look at these products, these gambling products that are being created, they're now more addictive than, than they ever have been before. And you're looking at the looking at video games and how video games can be more addictive as well. And even links between video games and gambling are growing uh, or the lines are being blurred. And, and these, all of these things growing show that kind of increased risk to, to younger people and why it is important to, to really consider and have um, gambling on the agenda. 
Yeah, definitely. Would you be able to talk us through a bit about loot boxes and um, how video games and gambling are linked? Yeah, so it's, it's something, again, that's been in the media quite a lot, especially that term, loot boxes. And, and for, for those that are listening that have never heard that term, uh, it's what loot boxes are, are a form of video game or in-game transaction. So something you might purchase within a game. But the idea around loot boxes is that you don't know what you're going to get. So you're, pi- you're buying something with an uncertain reward. And that in its, very, in its very self is very similar to gambling, yet it's not officially yet um, recognized as an official form of gambling for, for a variety of different reasons. Now, the, that's not the only area that we look at in terms of the linking between gambling and video games. Um, the design of them, a lot of video games are starting to look and feel like a lot of gambling games, whether there's virtual currencies or involvement of spinning wheels or casinos within a game. There's also gambling games that if, that if you kind of look online or in, in bookies or ever, they're starting to look and feel like video games. And you can see them becoming sim- more, more and more similar. Um, the In terms of the risks and the harms and the signs of gaming or gambling disorder, they're also very similar psychologically and the harms are very similar as well. So when we are educating around um, gambling and actually impacting young people, it's really important to, to not neglect that discussion around gaming. We also find, find that when we're speaking to practitioners and speaking to teachers or parents that are working with their young people, that gambling is something that they know about, they've heard about, and yet they might not know the risks, but it's not something where they, they're starting on no knowledge about. When it comes to gaming and the understanding of the monetization and how video games make money through microtransactions or loot boxes or these gambling elements, that there's a that the level of knowledge and level of understanding is, is, is really quite low compared to, to other things. So we're starting when we're educating at a real fringe level to try and upskill them so that they just know to how, how to have those conversations with young people and know that these things do exist and they pose risks to young people as well. And that's something that we've included in our portfolio in the last couple of years. Um, and if anyone listening wants to find out more, and they're more than welcome to come along to our, one of our gaming uh, and online gambling webinars and um, where we can kind of build that basic knowledge um, and why it poses risks to young people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think some of the things that have sort of happened that's been linked in is um, we, FIFA, for an example, for um, working with young people, we've had different sessions and they've spent up to maybe a thousand pounds on loot boxes trying to get certain players. And there's they've seen maybe these stories in the media that they have been out there in the last number of years, but those are real issues and real circumstances that are happening to more and more young people as sort of time is going on it's no longer I suppose maybe the minority that's happening with it is happening a lot more um, and it's important again that if we are equipped then we are able then to have those discussions and we can try and yeah. support then those young people and families through something like that because as we all know that a lot of the families we work with won't have as much disposable income so uh, an act like that can really negatively affect them in so many ways. Yeah, there, there are a couple of quick things that if anyone listening, parents or youth workers can do to, to try and prevent harm related to that, because they are very real issues, as you said. Um, and actually, this if you just a quick plug for two really useful resources and websites that, that we often use um, would be internetmatters.org and askaboutgames.com. And both of those websites have loads of information, really credible stuff, but really useful information about kind of... Um, about blockers, parental guidelines across a variety of different um, 
video games or consoles, if it's your PlayStation or your computer or wherever young people are spending time and playing their games. Uh, and so I would recommend if anyone listening to this to say, okay, it's really interesting, but I'm, I'm my, young, my child or young person is experiencing harm now, what can I do? Check out those websites, really useful resources. Yeah, definitely. No, brilliant. So then what work is it that you guys do just now that um, also supports young people? So we've got a few different things going on at the moment and, and in the pipeline. The Obviously, our main kind of flagship program, that train-the-trainer approach where we're training practitioners, we hope to directly support young people um, from that in terms of them uh, going on and using the toolkit and using the resources. And one thing that a lot of people we work with don't realise is that we will happily provide consultancy following any training that we do. So that if they want to design a programme and they're not really sure how, that we want them to get back in touch with us and we can support them through them through that as well. Um, but in terms of directly supporting young people, we've just launched a, a new project. And Connor, I'm not sure if, if, I've, if, if I've told you about this already, but it's, it's quite exciting and it was only launched in the last couple of months, is a pilot program in partnership with an organization called the RCA Trust. And we called it The Edge. And the idea of it is to train practitioners, but with a much more hands-on approach. So we deliver three sessions, three consecutive sessions with groups of young people or classrooms in, in schools, in high schools, where we sort of walk through the stages to build their digital resilience, but also to, to build their understanding around gambling. And it's direct work with young people, but observing uh, will be the practitioners so that they can see kind of the right tone, the right language, the right questions to ask to be able to challenge young people and get them to really think about the decisions that they might make. Um, and so that's called The Edge. And as I say, all of that input is completely free if anyone listening, listening wants to get involved. Although as it stands, that, that program is only funded until the end of October. So um, there is uh, limited spaces available and limited time. Other than that, something really exciting that we've just launched um, at the end of May, uh, and we're filming this in the start of June, so very much uh, just launched this, was a, a new film. And the film itself is based on a theatre tour or a theatre script that we toured around schools that was to raise awareness around gambling and gambling harms. And uh, through lockdown, we actually funded a, a professional film crew to film that script um, around, they filmed it around Edinburgh during lockdown. And we've now released that for free online. The film's called Trust Me, and it can be viewed at trustmefilm.org.uk. On that website, there's a link for young people to watch it. There's also links for youth workers and teachers to watch it, where they can go on, but they, uh, they can, the teachers and youth workers have resources and lesson plans that they can actually follow up with their young people. Questions about the film, getting them to think about some of the more difficult decisions that characters in the film actually had to make, perhaps considering if that was one of their friends, how could they have supported them? Or could have they have... Well, at what points during the film could things of people have intervened or things have changed? And these sorts of questions are really useful um, as a follow-up to help really consolidate the learning from that. I guess that's, that's a couple of things that we, we've been up to recently. Um, and um, But I think that the best thing is I'd maybe follow us on Twitter or keep an eye on our website because we're always looking at new kind of innovate, innovative ways to, to engage young people um, within that the gambling education sector. Yeah, and you know, the, the film's brilliant. It's really, really good. You know, it's it's a great way, I think, for you, yeah, practitioners. <laughs> I know it is. And, you know, it's such a great way for practitioners to really engage with young people in the conversation in such a natural way as well, rather than maybe just forcing it or uh, bringing we, it up. You know, it's brilliant. 
we launched it last uh, uh, a few a couple of Thursdays ago, and we launched it with a live stream, and it streamed to over thirty, no, over sixty high schools across Scotland, which was way more than we we anticipated were going to come along. But we did a a live Q and A followed it, and I tell you, God, I was I was nervous. Uh, it was I'd worked I've been working on this on the theatre and the film for three years, and. Uh, the live Q&A, I just, I was hoping that we wouldn't just get uh, a te terrible questions and, and a bad response, but uh, following that, the first live screening and and since people accessing the film online, uh, the, the reception has been really positive, really fantastic, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Oh, definitely, man, and I think hopefully as well, with youth clubs and youth groups coming back into um, more sort of face-to-face -face work as well, it will be something that will be utilised a lot more as well, because it's, it's definitely there it, for a lot of people. Yeah. One of the reasons why we embedded it on the website was we were discussing about having some sort of resource pack and what we really didn't want was just having a folder that sat in some person's office with a disc of the film and something that never actually gets used. We wanted something that could be utilised in an ongoing way uh, and continued promotion of that. What would be great to chat to, to you or other CLD or youth workers about is what ways uh, in which it could be useful to kind of uh, promote continued use of it and how uh, if there's any other support that we can provide um, and so uh, I might I might uh, give you a ring at some point Connor to discuss that a bit further. I definitely always happy to chat always happy to chat especially anything to help the with the gambling stuff I'm totally in so you guys have got the gambling education youth fund um, is there any good examples of practice that you'd be able to share about that and also um, let the people listening know what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Gambling Education Youth Fund is something that we've had since the very start of the, the programme. And it's it's an opportunity for, for local youth groups um, or, or just groups of young people to apply for up to £500 to kind of run their own local gambling education or prevention initiative. And some of the some of the projects that have come out of it have just been fantastic. And it's been great to see as a as a result of the training when we trained their youth workers that then they've gone on and promoted it among their young people so much so that they are they wanted to create their own project and uh, we had some people and um, use some of the funding to get in touch with um sky television studios and create a, a kind of films and um, news production that was sharing some of the gambling harms that and how gambling harm can affect young people we've had youth groups run quizzes and uh, we've had them run uh, awareness sessions around kind of loot boxes, running kind of football tournaments, uh, loads of different things, all really creative in ways to raise that awareness um, among that local community and other young people and their parents as well, that gambling is an issue that affects young people. Um, and it's, it's definitely, is that still available as well? Can people still apply for that? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, as it stands, as I say, our funding for the, the three-year project is coming to an end at the end of October. And we are hoping to, to be recommissioned. Um, and so, but if, if everybody definitely wants to apply and uh, take on, they, they would need to um, be quite hasty. And uh, we, we hope to continue the funding um, going forward. But as it stands, the, uh, the, the, youth, uh, the Gambling Education Youth Fund, or the Youth Fund, we, uh, we call it for short, because it can be quite a mouthful. Uh, they, can, they can still apply for it. And we, we always look for kind of exciting new projects, anything and anything that might be interesting or that, that we've not already thought about, we'd love to hear from you. Brilliant. Perfect. And what we'll do as well, all the links that we've sort of mentioned during this, we'll put that in the description for people as well, so that then you've got quick access um, instead of trying to quickly note it down and 
rewind, rewind, rewind when we're trying to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, Brown, so then is there any other sort of key things that you would like to highlight or um, sort of talk about, about um, the work that you do? Not really. I think it's it's important just for people to know that we, we're working on this, this full time. Everything that we produce and do is fully funded, so it's completely free for practitioners, for youth workers, for youth employability services, anyone that wants to engage with us. And we are really willing to engage with, with anyone and everyone. Gambling is something that is increasingly affecting young people, and especially with these new kind of addictive formats. And all, all you need to do is drop us a, an email and we can chat you through some of the, the reasons why it might affect young people and, and we can provide some free training tailored to you, your organisation, uh, and there's lots of ways we can support. So please do give us a shout. We're, we're really willing to engage with, with anyone that engages with young people. Brilliant. And remember, it's free. Like You don't need to pay, <laughs> which is Completely something free. that we all like to hear and we all need to hear a lot more. It's free. You don't need to pay. Absolutely. So get involved. <laughs> Definitely get involved. So I'd just like to take you now, if that's okay, just to the last question that um, we put at the end of every single podcast. Um, and it's just what advice you would give to someone that's looking to start a career in CLD? It's, it's a really good question. From my introduction to to this sector was slightly different. I actually used to work in the private sector and and decided to uh, make a a change uh, in my life where I I wasn't happy in the private sector with the way some things were. And I kind of social inequality was something that I was quite passionate about, especially in in Scotland and not, not necessarily gambling, just across the board. I think that all of everything that I'd learned and all of, sort of the hard skills were all very relevant. But the most important things that I've taken into this role, into the sector and the relationships that I've built since I've been um, working with CLT workers and in the third sector is, is empathy, is passion and hard work. Those, those three things are, are the key to a successful, um, successful worker in, in this sector. Um, and I think with, with those three things, you can almost achieve anything. Uh, and if it's gambling education, you want to pre- prevent harm around that. If it's substance use, um, if it's uh, reducing the attainment gap and uh, whatever it is, as long as you've got sort of a hard work ethic and you are passionate about the subject area, and you're empathetic towards service users and the people that are most vulnerable, then absolutely you will achieve loads of things. Oh, brilliant. Definitely, man. Thanks very much for that. Um, and it's always good to catch up with you. It's always good to see you. Um, especially Likewise, next time. Man. And hopefully the next time it can be face-to-face. I know we've spoke a few times there, Zoom, so it'd be nice to catch up properly at some point. After, after Scotland have won the Euros. Totally, after Scotland won the Euros. And this is also being recorded on the first day of the Euros, so we'll see how that ages. <laughs> um, so Nice one, man. So listen, thanks very much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate you just taking some time out just to have a chat and talking about the amazing work that you do. No, thanks very much, Conor. It's, it's always great chatting to you, and uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, I'll give this a little plug for, for the work that we're doing. Well, no worries. Cool. Cheers, mate. All right, cheers, Conor. Thanks very much, Warren, for joining us for this conversation. I really hope that the people listening take advantage of the free training courses and the, all the stuff that you guys have available for practitioners. Please follow us on Twitter at CLD Talks, and you can also check out Warren on Twitter at Warren Hughes FF. And for any more information, you can see us there. Thanks very much. Catch you next time.